Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This is the second show in our Lessons Learned from Crisis series in partnership with Tealbook. I hope you're enjoying this series as much as I am. We're giving a platform to such an important and timely discussion that we all need to get involved in. So what are we talking about today? Well, we are staying on the all-important topic of data, but we're switching focus from bad data to good data. It's important how we can ensure its accuracy and how we can use it to improve our processes and strategies, meaning we're always ready for the next challenge and how organizations changing needs in light of COVID-19 can also help shape how we all do things in the future. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to be here too, because I can't wait to learn, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to be going through on this episode. But before we do that, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? So tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about data? Okay, great. Yeah, my, my name is Matt Palakdiri, and I'm the Vice President of Strategy at Tealbook. And so what that means for us is that I run our marketing, our sales, our partnership teams, and then I uh, have a hand in our overarching um, product vision. So I wear a lot of hats here. Um, my background primarily comes uh, in technology, so I am a technology entrepreneur. Um, got into technology entrepreneurship through uh, technology sales, and, and fortunately, I was able to um, be part of an executive team that took over a pretty failing company in Cincinnati in uh, 2015 called Vinamaya. Um, but we were able to rebrand it as Acquire. Uh, we rewrote every single line of code and we turned it into the fastest growing company in the space, uh, which ultimately was acquired by Coupa in 2018. And that company uh, had a very similar premise is that the, the data in the catalogs was always really stale and then we needed to find a way to keep that up to date. And uh, through my time at Coupa and, and time at Acquire and just seeing the failures in the space, I saw that over and over again, the number one reason that these technology platforms were failing is never the software, the integrations themselves. It's actually the data going into the software that compromises everything downstream. And uh, so when I found out what Stephanie and, and Jeff, our CTO, had built, I was, I was really eager to join us. And, um, and really, the thing that about data that I think everybody needs to keep in the forefront of their mind is that oftentimes when we think about data, we think really about analytics. You think about the data that you want to get to to drive your business decisions. And when we work backwards, you think, okay, well, if I got software that could produce that data to drive the analytics, then, you know, then I'd be golden. But everybody forgets that there's actually a step before that. And that's the data we want to talk about today is what data do you actually need to push into the software solutions to then um, to create the data that you need to drive the business outcomes you're you're desiring. And uh, and I think oftentimes when we think about data, we just forget that data is really segmented into two parts, the part that goes into the software and the part that goes out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you're right. You know, we talk a lot about data, but we don't really get into, you know, what people should be doing and where they should be starting and, you know, what that journey kind of looks like. So I'm really glad that you pointed that out. And I'm glad that we're going to be talking about that today. So last week, we looked at bad data. 
um, with Stephanie. And today we're going to look at good data. So what does that mean? Why is good data so important? Well, good data is really important because every single software system that you use in an enterprise environment leverages the same core set of data. And so we have our vendor master file today and we have it sitting in a static environment, but the data input in the vendor master file is anything but static. So it is just as dynamic as everything else that is in the market. You think about the people, the acquisitions, everything is always moving. And today we've gotten to this route of having this vendor master uh, that's really been put in on a one-time enrichment or, or have suppliers or employees even go and input right. this information. But it's so critical to the organization because this data will flow into uh, your contract management solution. It'll flow into your source to pay solution. It'll flow into really anything that you create. And if you don't get that data right, then the, then the usability of all of those other systems start to go down. And when we talk to procurement professionals, oftentimes the number one thing they say is, you know, I just got this great S2P solution, but my compliance is still really low. And it's, it's not because of the interface that's getting millions and millions of dollars poured into it. It's not because of the business rules that you've set up as an organization that match perfectly what you're trying to accomplish. It's because the usability is being compromised because the data in doesn't allow the usability to function in the way that you want it to. And so if you don't get your data strategy right in something that is extremely dynamic, it's going to have systemic failures all the way down the train, all the way down to payment. Yeah, and something that I think you're going to be struggling with forever until you can get it right and you are bringing in the right partners, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we, we see that we've gotten to this point as an industry of really one-time enrichments or, hey, I'll, I'll upload this file and then I'll be good. But we forget that a month down the line, all of that data that we put in is, is likely compromised. You look at all the mergers and acquisitions in the space right now, if you're sitting on data in a vendor master file that was done through an enrichment, I can virtually guarantee you that that is out of date. Wow. And that's, that's incredible because if you think about it, you know, I've had some discussions even just a year ago that said the knowledge base is changing every 1.5 years. And that was a year ago and, and everything is being sped up, you know, on a yearly basis and, and just being, bringing it that much, you know, closer to how fast everything is changing. And so, you know, like you said, if you're not getting it right now, what does that mean for you even just six months from now? Um, which is something that's, that's really crazy to think about. And so you talk about that being one of the challenge. What are some of the other challenges that your customers are facing with regards to data? Well, just keeping up with the sheer volume of data. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's some, um, some research articles now that are saying that the amount of data that's being created in the space is increasing tenfold year over year. And we're still trying to make sense of that data with the same amount of people on our staff. And so it's just a massive more uh, influx of data that we have to go through, which just means that we're not going to get to everything. And uh, so when we talk to our customers, it's oftentimes uh, part of the question is about the inaccurate data and how do I just get it up to speed to increase functionality. But then it then turns into how do I get ahead of all the increasing data that's in the space and how do I mm -hmm. capture it in a way that can make uh, my life easier? Because 
when you think about the increasing amount of data, yeah, sure, it can be burdensome, but if you can get it right, it can really be a powerful tool, tool uh, in your tool chest because now all of the desired outcomes that you were looking for, you can get to that because you've got the data right at the front end. And then when you think about driving and making really great business decisions, if you get the data right, then you're making informed decisions. Whereas in the current environment, we kind of go off our gut and, you know, we, we have an idea of what to do and we follow the playbooks. But if you are really confident in the data and you know exactly where the market is headed, then, then you can really take advantage of, of the wave that's coming. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're talking to, you know, companies or supply chain professionals that are really looking to optimize what they're doing in procurement, what they're doing in supply chain. And they know that, you know, good data is what they need, but they're just not sure how to facilitate that foundation and sort of maybe, maybe build from the ground up. So what exactly is Tealbook's data foundation and autonomous data enrichment, which I think you call ADE? How does it work? Yeah, so our we we've built the solution on the premise that all of this data is changing so rapidly. And so instead of relying on supplier portals or people within the organization going into something and actually typing in this information, that we should be able to proactively scan for changing information, capture any elements that may have changed and automatically update that into our universal supplier profiles. And so when we talk about autonomous data enrichment, we are talking about scanning the top 400 million websites globally. And that, that number is really interesting because there are about 350 million unique domains globally. So if a supplier has a domain address, we know about them. And now we're working into the subdomains within those domains. So, uh, And we'll continue getting deeper here as well. But if if you think about all the websites that are out there, if, if locations change on them or maybe they've got a new certificate or they make a, an announcement somewhere, the, the website is usually where the data changes first. It's the easiest for the supplier to change. Therefore, we should be able to go out, monitor for the changing um, information, similar to, to, say, a Google alert that you can set up. Uh, we can capture that information, get it into the profile, and then we have customers that will say, okay, well, I, sometimes I want to integrate and I just want to push the data or pull the data whenever I want it. And then we have some customers that actually say, hey, any time that you've diagnosed that there's been a difference in one of the universal supplier profiles, push that new update into my system so that all of my systems can work off of that new intel. So they're not having to go and grab that information or wait for their suppliers to provide them with that information. You're actually grabbing that for them and updating the system without them having to do anything. Yeah, that's correct. And, and, and this route is, is fundamental to why we're paving the way to getting really great data into the space. And this is only the first part of our five-part algorithm too, because when you think about what's available on the website, it's all the things that the supplier typically wants to be public. Um, but we are cross-referencing that data with over 300 other data sources that we have access to, to then bring in other things that maybe the supplier doesn't uh, publicly make available, say like, um, you know, revenue projections or number of employees or, uh, 
you know, um, recent risks that may uh, come up in, in blogs and things like that. You, as a procurement professional, you need to know both the positive and the negative. And so when we yeah. go and we blend the data from all these different sources, you can get a, in a holistic view of all the changing information with any risks that may be associated with it. Which is amazing because at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're talking about supply chains being resilient and how can we be resilient without a good data, you know, B knowing what's out there and what risks we may or may not face depending on the information that we have and having a partner to be able to send us that data and know what those risks are ahead of time. I mean, that's just going to save people so much time and headaches, really. And they're going to feel like they're ahead of the curve rather than being behind it all the time. So how are you able to ensure the most accurate supply chain data available? I mean, you're talking about scraping data from all sorts of, of websites and blogs and different content that is out there. And that's what makes Tealbook unique, I would imagine, right? Absolutely. And so um, accuracy is, a, is the most important thing to consider when you're going a route this direction, because there are so many different data inputs uh, that are going into the solution. And when we think about building our solution, we think about being a trusted source of supplier data. And so when we think about trust, we really break it down into two different ideals. The first is accuracy. And so we audit all of our data sources to ensure that we're getting accurate information sent in. And if at any time one of those data sources is is not meeting the accuracy thresholds that we hold, then we will eliminate that data source. And, and actually, we have had that where, you know, as we continue to monitor some of the data coming in, that one of our um, potential partners isn't up to speed or, or up to our level of what accuracy looks like, uh, then, then unfortunately, we'll have to find other sources. Um, but then on the second part of that, it's just transparency. And, and this is the part I think most of the listeners will really appreciate because we can never guarantee 100% accuracy on any data element. Even if we could say this is exactly right today, it, there's no guarantee that that doesn't change an hour from now. And so what we say about transparency is if we get conflicting data sets from multiple or data elements from a multiple different data sets, we'll show you which ones we think are more reliable, a confidence metric around those. So maybe in one element, we have a 75% confidence metric, um, but it for, for whatever reason, it is deemed inaccurate by the person looking at it. Well, they can look down the chain and say, okay, well, then this is another value that came from another data set. This is another value. And so they can then work their way down and find the right answer. And I think that's the really important thing when you think about Tealbook is that um, we, we get you all of this changing information, but we also provide you the mechanism so that you feel really comfortable in the decisions that you're making. And all too often, I think, uh, before Tealbook, you'd have providers that would give you a data set and then pass it off as 100% accurate. And then when you're making your decisions, you're putting your 100% trust in it. And then you you get down the line and you realize all that data that you made the decisions on was inaccurate. And here we just want to be transparent about how confident we are in each metric so that you know how much confidence to put into that when you're making your business decisions. 
Yeah. And that's got to be a tough conversation, I would imagine, going out into the industry. And if they've already been burned in that respect, you know, how do you have that conversation with them to say, hey, no, you can really trust our data? Um, What does that conversation look like? That's where I think the transparency piece of our solution is so fundamentally different than everyone else. And that's why I think we see this influx of people coming towards us is because we are so forthcoming saying, okay, well, we believe that this data is correct, but it might be this value. And giving people all the access to the data is really what everybody has wanted. You know, we do not yeah. go in and promise perfect data. And, and um, yeah. what we promise is that we'll give you all of the data at your fingertips so you can make better decisions and that our data by our mechanisms, it gets better over time. And so every person that's touching this and is validating data, we can get even more confidence put into it. And it's it really kind of crowdsources your data, which are some of the emerging uh, techniques that we see in all of the other spaces. You, you know, we can get to a certain level of accuracy through machines, but the more and more people that are on our solution that are touching it, validating it, then everybody can latch into this and feel really confident about what they they have access to. Yeah. And what I think that you're talking about, and I I talk about this all the time on the show, is collaboration is the future of business. And I think what you guys have done nicely is make it into a collaborative decision-making process. That is exactly right. I, I think we've gotten to this point, actually, somewhat unfortunately, where Every single organization is trying to do about the same thing, and we we hire the same type of people at every organization, try to build it from scratch, when instead we could all leverage the power of the community, we could all do this together, reduce the cost of it, increase the accuracy, increase the efficiency, we'll make wildly better decisions across the whole uh, ecosystem, and it's all by by working in collaboration with each other versus versus gripping your data and holding it and saying nobody else has access to it, which which really is a detriment to, to yourself to begin with. Yeah, and kind of traditional thinking, right? So in this industry, traditionally, we've thought in silos and we've thought about, you know, the the protectionism as well as of what we have and what that means. And it doesn't, when we're talking about collaborative decision-making, we're not talking about giving away company secrets. We're talking about, like you said, leveraging the data that we're all, that we all have access to, but that we might have gaps and those gaps being filled by other people in the community so that you can all move forward. You can all have success. We can all support each other in a collaborative manner. So I love that. I mean, everybody knows collaboration is my word. And so I love to see that. And I'm really glad that we are bringing that to the forefront. You know, we're talking about it and we're really doing something about it, which is great. So according to IDC, Tealbook ranks as the number four procurement platform tool currently in use today. Congratulations for that. Can you tell us a bit more about the survey itself, the results, and what led to Tealbook being ranked so highly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we were absolutely thrilled about how that um, survey came out. And so they went out and they were just surveying procurement professionals and what tools were being used. And I don't think it's a shock to see that the first three on the list our uh, core ERP solutions. I, I do think that most organizations will choose one core ERP to work off of, and that will be your main system. 
But what I think that this study did really well is not just focus on the main systems, but then all of the complementary systems that feed into it. And then what you saw is, is while we don't have all that many customers using us as their core platform, you have a ton of customers that are using us as, a, as an ancillary platform that can increase the performance of those core platforms. And, uh, and so that I think this is one of the first studies of its kind. And to see how many um, users are using us to complement those, those core systems is really encouraging from our perspective because that's exactly what we're trying to build. You know, we're not trying to build uh, the next S2P solution or other software. What we recognize is there's lots of really good choices that are out there. Uh, but we want to be an enabler with data so that you can choose the software that best fits your business, knowing that you'll have really accurate data flowing into those. And uh, and I, I think, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I think I thought we would score a little bit lower just because we're we're still early in our journey. And I think we have a long way to go. Um, uh, but what I can see is that by showing that we're, you know, oftentimes I, I probably highlight a little bit more of you know how far we do have to go versus where we're at today and it's nice to celebrate that so many people are using Keelbook already and there's there's no doubt that we're growing and um, when, we th when we speak about some of the events that are happening in the world it's really spurred this wave of people coming towards Teelbook unlike what uh, certainly we expected uh, and I, I think you see us as number four on that list today but our goal really is that while we shouldn't ever be the number one primary use platform, we should be the number one use platform because we complement every other system. You should be able to choose mm -hmm. any one of the others on the list, knowing that Tealbook will make that system better. Yeah, and I think that's what makes you different anyway, is the fact that, you know, you do have the collaborative spirit and that you complement the other platforms that are out there. And I think, I don't know about you, but, you know, going through the pandemic so far, I think it's really opened up opportunities and opened up the industry's eyes from a supply chain services perspective, right? And from a technology perspective is that there's a lot of really great companies like Tealbook that complement these core services and these core technology platforms. And what I, what I've, what I've seen is that People are more willing and more open to have the conversations to say, hey, this is what I bring to the table. Hey, this is what I bring to the table. How can we come together um, and really service the customer, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the customer. It's all about how they're functioning in their day-to-day. -day. It's all about how we make it easier. And it's no longer about, you know, um, fighting against that and fighting against each other. And, and I think that that is really going to be the success of procurement and supply chain moving forward. So, you know, in saying that COVID-19 has really shone a light on our industry processes, whether they're good or bad, we're hearing about supply chain and procurement from politicians and on the, on the, um, the TV all the time. I'm reading blogs in, in places that would never have talked about procurement and supply chain before. So how can Tealbook help organizations to stay ready amidst a market crisis like COVID? You know, how can you help manage that risk? And I think, you know, supply chain leaders are um, really tasked with a lot right now. And they're, they're looking for strategic partners to really help them mitigate the risk, something that's easy to implement and help them move forward and be able to navigate 
um, something like this as well? Yeah, well, I think it's a really great question. And, and it, it's a question that, um, frankly, I, I feel it plays right into what we're building. And COVID uh, is a very interesting scenario for us because when it first hit, we pulled back our spend. We said, okay, well, how's this going to affect our business? And then we just got hit with a massive wave of inbound requests because everybody found out how important supply chain data really is. And unfortunately, even if you already put an emphasis on, on supply chain software, if you didn't have the data feeding into the software, you didn't really get anything out of it. And so we are working some accounts that, frankly, I didn't think that we would be working for years to come. Uh, we've helped some organizations in in such an incredible way. Um, we've actually been listed in Forbes twice already this year. And for a company that uh, was founded in 2015, that, it's a pretty cool thing to see. And um, I'll give some examples of, of uh, some really cool uh, things that have come out of it. But the first is um, there were entire countries that could not get PPE into the country. And um, with everybody searching for the N95 mask or respirators at the uh, at the beginning part of the first wave, um, you couldn't find any anywhere. And so how were you going to be able to find the suppliers that could put, that could meet the initial piece of the demand? And how could you then find the manufacturers that could manufacture more of these products who are manufacturing similar products that could shift to then helping uh, with the surge in demand. And, uh, and, and actually the UK government came to us uh, because they could not get any PPE into the country. And there was about 13 different pieces of PPE they were looking for. And, uh, and then once they came to Tealbook, they were able to orchestrate that whole, whole strategy. And so they were reaching out to the manufacturers in China and India that could, that could produce more. And they were putting in bulk orders. And if you look at the beginning part of what happened to them, you know, they were in the news, it seems like, every day of just not yeah. having any PPE. And then all of a sudden that stopped. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's all of us, but we were a, a big portion of how they were able to actually secure PPE in the country. It's because for the first time they had access to the data that they needed to be reactive. And we did the same thing right. with a major clothing retailer in the United States where they um, had to shift their manufacturing lines from producing clothing to them producing N95 masks, but they had no idea how to produce an N95 mask. They they had a really great idea of how to work cloth and, and how to work with elastic uh, 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 bands, but they had no idea how to source the polypropylene inserts that filter out 95% of air contaminants that makes an N95 mask N95 certified. And they had no idea how to actually get it certified afterwards. And they were really worried about introducing fraud during this time. I think FEMA um, gave tens of millions of dollars to an individual in New York to bring in N95 masks, and, and he was able to deliver zero masks and pocketed most of the money. I mean, there's a ton of fraud. And this clothing retailer was able to then find all of the polypropylene, find the how to get certified, all of their masks passed. They were producing 120,000 masks a day to, to support uh, the, the initial rush in New York, and uh, and they did so without any fraud, and that's because they were using accurate information 
we did the exact same thing with a, a large auto manufacturer too, but it just shows you the possibilities that are there when you have really great data at your fingertips to base the business decisions off of. And, uh, and, and we've only seen that continue. Yeah. And those are, you know, I'm glad that you shared those examples with us. And obviously those are close to home right now with everything that's, that's going on and really showcases, because I think a lot of people have seen, you know, um, where we've had gaps in our supply chains. So actually hearing about how we've been able to feel, uh, um, fill those gaps and, you know, how Tealbook has been able to support companies in those initiatives, but also being able to showcase how fast you can pivot and be agile with good data is a really, really important example for all businesses to take account of whether with where, whether we're within you know, COVID-19 or not. I mean, I know a lot of supply chain leaders that are taking a look at their supply chain strategy and where do they manufacture and what does that mean? And from one side, you have to take a look at total landed costs. But on the other side, you have to be able to have good data to be able to help you put together those strategies and mitigate the risks that can come from moving your manufacturing or where you source product or buy product. And, you know, it's with platforms like Tealbook that you're going to be able to do that. And I think also what the pandemic has shown is that we need to be more agile and we need to pivot quicker. And the only way to do that is through good data and who you're partnering with, who your strategic partners are, and how you're actually doing that. So I love those examples. I think they're really going to hit home with the audience and really showcase, you know, because we talk about data all the time, but really showcase what it actually means and how it's going to help them pivot and be agile into the future. So before we wind down, I want to ask you, what are some of the biggest lessons the team at Tealbook have learned from this crisis? Well, I, I think it's helped us a lot uh, in a couple of ways. One, it's helped us really believe in what we're building. You know, I, it's one thing to start with a vision and you see a problem and and build a platform to address it and and sometimes you feel like you feel like you're a little crazy because everybody just wants to do it the traditional way and you go home defeated at times where it's like okay well somebody resorted to a one-time enrichment again um and you know maybe you know the first wave hits and we pull back spend because you think okay well let's let's make sure that we increase our our runway and prepare for the worst and um, it's allowed us to really believe in what we're doing because some of those examples that we gave you, I mean, we're having profound impact, not only just for the industry, but on, on people's lives. And that's been one of the coolest things for us at Tealbook is to have some of these stories coming in and say, oh, you know, I, I, I built that algorithm, you know, some of the data scientists and be like, you know, I was the one that found how we could get all this information in the hands of the UK. Yeah, I would love to find out how many lives were saved just because of some of these initiatives and tell um, you know, our data scientists, because, you know, sometimes yeah. you dream of, of being able to have that type of positive impact. And, um, you know, that's certainly one of the things that we've learned. But then, too, um, it's just been the importance on supply chain. And I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said before, 
that we always look at total land cost and traditional procurement. And I think now what business leaders are doing is they're shifting towards really looking at the opportunity cost if they don't have really great data. What happens if you have to shut down your manufacturing plants for weeks because you can't get PPE? Um, you know, your, your, your opportunity cost for just not putting enough emphasis on our space is going to have drastic impacts. And, and I think, unfortunately, um, we've seen that across the board, uh, that many companies were caught uh, unprepared for this. And, uh, and I think that when we get on the back end of this, everybody's going to shift that mindset to uh, agile uh, supply chain. How do you make better business decisions in a quicker time frame and not worry so much about beating down our vendors? And in fact, some of the ones that uh, companies that were beating down their vendors, all of a sudden the vendors that had the PPE that were deemed non-strategic before had all of the power. And guess what? If you were a really bad customer, you were the last person getting that PPE in the time that was needed because the really good customers were the ones that they were serving first. Wow. And that, you know, that just gave me goosebumps because I think that's going to resonate with audiences everywhere, right? And we're talking about business decisions. And I think also what's come out of this is how important supply chain is to a business, right? And so the good data that we're bringing in from a procurement and supply chain perspective really is the engine to making good business decisions. And I love what you said, you know, we we really need to treat our suppliers like collaborative opportunities, you know, collaborative partners, strategic partners. And the ones that were doing that pre-COVID really won out in the end. And it's definitely something that supply chain leaders should take to heart. And when they're looking at their strategies and they're looking to um, work with new suppliers, you know, something to really dig in and think about as we move forward and figure out what those strategies really are going to look like. So as data-driven brainstormers with serious entrepreneurial spirit and a commitment to revolutionizing how companies work together, Tealbook consistently wows clients and creates dynamic B2B communities for Fortune 1000 brands and innovators. For more information about Tealbook, check out their website at Tealbook, that's T-E-A-L book.com. Thank you to Matt for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure and, uh, and I really enjoyed myself. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's so important to learn from your experiences, you know, to drive that good data. And I can't wait to share more of the lessons that Tealbook has learned from crisis with us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain. Don't forget to join us again next week for episode three of our Lessons Learned from Crisis mini-series in partnership with Tealbook.